One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. Welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 78 this is the second episode of Conversations from Future Build in London 2022. The These two episodes are very much standalone, so you can listen to them in whichever order you want. Uh, I should say they are a bit loud, and I can only really apologise for that. There is a secret plan of mine to build a straw bale recording studio for the next Future Build, uh, and we will have tip-top sound quality. So maybe this will be the last time that you have to put up with slightly shonky recordings. Before the episode, I wanted to let you know that the lovely team behind the Shift Bristol Roundhouse Builds have started a new company called Sheltercraft. Uh, they are building roundhouses and you can go and join them, learn how to build it. You'll get all your food, you'll learn, you'll meet great people. It's a wonderful thing to do. There is a link in the show notes for that. I believe their build is in the Forest of Dean. And speaking of roundhouses, this past week I got to spend a very enjoyable couple of days uh, at a friend's roundhouse, uh, Tom Ingle, who is the partner of Kaz Ingle, who is a friend of the podcast. Uh, Tom has been working tirelessly to build this beautiful, beautiful roundhouse. Another friend of the podcast, Will Stanix. Uh, organised a fantastic course bringing across plastering legend James Henderson. Uh, James was teaching clay plastering techniques uh, while Will was spraying hempcrete onto the outside of the bales. Yeah, it was it was pretty idyllic. Beautiful place, beautiful people, wonderful food. So yes, thank you to everyone involved in that. Um, I cannot wait to go back and put in the earth floor and maybe do a bit of plastering as well. This is normally the section of the podcast where I read out the new patrons, but we don't have any. So I will just take this opportunity to say that this podcast costs about £100 a month to run. That's software and 
websites and domains and fees for the for the patreon all those things that are very boring and all add up um so currently what's left over is about 200 pounds which translates to me earning about 50 pounds a day uh, that i work on the podcast um which is a little bit below minimum wage and yeah i really don't like this asking for people to support the podcast it makes me feel a bit horrible uh but kind of needs must um so yes if you do get some value from the podcast uh it would be great if you could find just two pounds a month uh to support it uh to support me and yeah two pounds a month from you does add up with all the other two pounds and it means that i can support myself and dedicate even more time to this podcast so thank you very much i'm sorry i know this is boring to listen to uh okay on with the podcast first up we have brian murphy from the green building calculator and i should say there are a couple of little swears in this episode just minor ones enjoy Yeah, so I'm Brian Murphy, otherwise known as Brian Speckman. Brian Speckman at everything else. Um, and I'm green building calculator. So during COVID, I had some time on my hands, so I built a calculator. And I started with two calculators I created at university for students, merged them together and thought, oh, I could add a few more bits. But it started because one of my students was a part-timer. They said to a man, all the part-time students took it back to their offices and started using it in the real world. So I thought, okay. COVID gives me an opportunity. I've got a month spare on my hands, do something. And it grew to two years. And now I've got a very big, powerful calculator that will do all of your energy, all of your embodied carbon, suppressed carbon, all of that data sets. And the next round will be about life cycle assessment added to it. But then we've got 33 other versions of it to develop to interrogate every other aspect of the building reclaim reuse recycling plastic avoidance everything you can imagine and we're going to have a starter a a meeting probably in a couple of weeks where we gather everyone who's scanned in and we will say to them this is what we have big ambitions we've got loads of other interested parties with loads of good data sets we've got other people who want to build a front end to it another one who wants to build a cad interface um, so we'll get together, thrash out what we're going to do, search, scratch our heads about where's the money coming from, and get on with it. So it's going to be exciting. Nice. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of work out of you. Absolutely. <laughs> so who um, who's going to benefit from this? Everybody. The planet, the humans on the planet, um, the planet itself, biodiversity will benefit. It'll all because we're driving. We're, the aim is to make carbon reduction simple mm. because the construction industry hasn't a clue the greenies know how to do it. We've been doing it for 20 years, 40 years. Um, we just make it readily available for everyone else. So it's switching from all of the usual plastic-based insulations and the middle-of-the-road insulations towards the bio-based and the plant-based and the tree-based thermal insulation materials. Low carbon, carbon positive, as opposed to carbon negative. And then get on with it. Um, challenges, you can't do that unless you've got your pricing right. And everyone's got violet price books and so we end up with a green client and a violet price 
and so we never ever get to a green building. So we've got to start with a green building price book, which we'll build online to suck in information from manufacturers, suppliers and installers so that we've got all of the right data so we can do proper pricing, cost planning. And then once we've got all of that fed into the calculator, we can do intelligent value engineering instead of the bullshit that we do at the moment. I hope the language doesn't... That's fine. No, they love it when we swear. Okay. (laughs) Swear a bit more then. So, yeah, I mean, it's just trying to bring all of that information, all the data, all in one place. So if you make one decision, Mm. okay, I'm going from building rates to passive house, it instantly recalculates everything. If you choose a material and then switch to a different material, it instantly gives you the results of everything. Embodied energy, embodied carbon, in-use energy, in-use carbon, in-use cost, because we've got all of the data sets to interrogate and give you the answers on the spot. Right. Is this, I mean, uh, I'm not an intelligent man. I can't work out this stuff, uh, but I specify a lot of materials in yeah. my job. Yeah. Uh, is, it in, is it simple enough that, well, we've had it's a complex thing. It's a complex, it's a big complex thing, which, I, which is why I've tried to make the calculator do everything for you. You've still got to tell us what you want to know. So how big is your building? How many floors? What's the floor area? How many windows? How big are the windows? All that stuff. You've got to feed it in. What temperature do you want? We've even, in the retrofit version, we've built in a a little nugget which says, and how do you dress? Do you wander around the house in your knickers or do you wander around in thick, heavy jumpers? Which sets your temperatures, which sets your energy demand. So it's it's that kind of simplicity. And the retrofit version has um, a whole set of ready-made house types. You choose a house type, it then populates a load of the cells and does 90% of the calculations for you. And then it will ask you for all of the other bits of information that I need to know in order to give you the answers. Um, And now we've also had people come up to and say, look, I know, and I say it myself, architects can't read. However, (laughs) architects can't excel either unless it's easy. So somebody said, let me build you a, a beautiful interface. So we'll have a beautiful interface so that it's simple. So it'll be, what do you want to know? Give me an answer. Okay, now I'll go and do a bit of number crunching. Choose from a list. Now I'll do a bit more interesting and I'll give you some results. So it'll be that kind of inter- interpretation or, sorry, interrogation of you and your project. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's all color-coded. All the cells are color-coded. If it's green, I want some information. If it's red, choose from a list. If it's blue, here's the answer to your question. Uh, and if it's brown, I've interrogated your answers and I've searched the database and here are the results. And we've done a risk assessment in the retrofit version, which will probably f- find its way back into this. So that tells you, and if you do that, there's a slight risk that this is going to go wrong. So you might want to reconsider your approach or your material choices. So it's, it's just trying to be a bit more intelligent. And the other bit, you know, the golden thread that the post-Grenfell is driving is that when a manufacturer invents something, then they invent it for a particular purpose in a particular place. Um, there are some manufacturers who've been a bit in, un, unscrupulous and wanted to use their product everywhere and allowed it to happen. Um, what we're doing is collecting the data from people so that Uh, We know where it should be used, and we will only ever show it where it should be used in the calculator, just by using intelligent spreadsheets and drop-down menus and look-up tables. So it will only ever offer you the stuff that's relevant. Now, that's probably version 3, 4, 5. 
we're on version two. We're, lo- we're about to launch version two. Version one's been out since COVID one. We've got version two that's come out with COVID three-ish. Um, and we've got COVID um, uh, three to 33 waiting in the background. So they've got plenty <laughs> oh, goodness, to keep developing. No, 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 no. So we've got plenty to keep us busy. Yeah. Uh, we've got, we'll keep on developing it. And if we can get all of the parties that have shown an interest in what we're doing to come and join in, yeah. and if we can find a way of funding it. And that's, that's partly through uh, people subscribing to the software. And okay. it's very low-cost entry. Students, four-bound... You know, you know what um, AutoCAD and, and all of those other big, powerful things, that you know, it's four grand a year or whatever it might be. We're £4.88 for a student, Brilliant. one-off... And if you want to subscribe, £4.88 per annum. And if you're an architectural practice, big one, £98.88 once or £98.88 per annum for all of the updates, all of the extra modules that we're going to build as time progresses. So it's low entry, get in there, start doing it. And the primary thing is that we've got to learn to know intuitively what is low carbon building so that we do it automatically without thinking. And we reach a point where clients get a low-carbon building, whether they ask for it or not. Yeah, it's not even an option. Yeah. Yeah. And this, is it, it's not, um, is it upfront carbon as well as? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Everything. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm getting the, the, the impression that yeah. it's... So it's version, version one was in-use carbon. Yeah. Version two is upfront carbon. Um, and it will progress to do life cycle assessment in version three, full. So you'll be able to do... Environmental product declaration data will feed to an environmental building data. So you'll have an environmental building declaration. And then when Belgium do what they said they would do in 2012, that they will fine you for development based on your EPD or your environmental building declaration. And if you substitute, we'll fine you for those changes so that we actually fine you for what you're doing. Fining rather than taxing, mm. because he- everybody hates a tax, but they're quite happy to be fined for some reason, strangely. <laughs> the psychology of that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? But anyway, that's, that's, we want to give you all of the tools, and we want you to first be able to do value uh, cost planning, mm-hmm. and then also value engineering. And the value engineering is intelligent value engineering based on the facts are in front of you. And if you change one thing, it goes all through the calculators and gives you new results. We'll do scenarios, scenario one, scenario two, scenario three. You can do your an assessment, lock the cells, do your second assessment, lock the cells, do your third assessment, lock the cells. And then compare. And then you can do the comparisons. Really, um, where can people get it's this? already greenbuildingencyclopedia.uk it's already there Volume one, uh, version 1 is already live and you can download it now but volume version 2 will come out any day now probably by the time this is, this is released it should already yeah. be out there possibly yes I'm not that quick editing well so. I, okay well <laughs> I, I'm reckoning it's, it, it's probably another week's work but I've got to find that week yeah, yeah? is this your full time job now? effectively yeah um, I still do the occasional diversion to do a retrofit version of it, and I'm doing a, um, a survey of a property in the Hebrides. Uh, and you know, but I'm not doing the survey. I'm teaching other people how to do the survey to feed the data data set. Um, and uh, I used to do specification writing, but um, I've moved on. So this is my fourth career, and I'm doing it when I had a letter this morning saying, "Would you like to apply for your pension?" So this is my fourth career, and it's the beginning of my 
So my wife is probably not going to be that happy, but I'm hoping we might get to sit on the top of the, on the roof of a caravanet and look at the stars somewhere in the West Country somewhere. Thank you so much, Brian. Really love what you're doing and can't wait to get in and, uh, and use the calculator. I think it's an invaluable resource and I love that you are pricing it so, so fairly. We'll now go straight across to friend of the podcast, Roland Keeble. Um, he is the rammed earth guy, um, but he is here with his Ibuki, uh, the earth building UK and Ireland hat firmly on his head. And he is talking about the Coboge project. So Coboge is a project to make cob meet thermal building regulations in England and France. And it kicked off with discussions between Plymouth University in the southwest of England and Caen University in the northwest of France. They both have cob traditions, or what we call um, mass earth now, uh, to try and get away from the vernacular. And, um, and they started talking about how to meet regs, and they went to Interreg for funding. And uh, it was a very big application. Um, and Interreg said, we wouldn't give you that much money until you could prove it. So we'll give you a bit of money and then you prove a concept and then we'd give you a bigger amount if, we, if you can prove the concept. So uh, at that point, there were a lot of different project partners, uh, including Bath University, who then dropped out for some unknown risk reason. Um, and they said, why doesn't Ibuki become the industry partner? And so we kind of went along with it and went along with it and then eventually it started... And we then said to the project team, you cannot make um, high-density insulation and you cannot make low-density structure. So you have to make a uh, two-part material. And the French partners really brought the idea of formwork, which uh, which is not like concrete formwork, which is like a hard board, but it's a mesh. And it means that you can put the material into the formwork and leave the formwork in place while it dries. Um, and, then, and then you remove it and, um, and you're not then limited to the height that the material will allow you to build to. Because cob, you know, typically it might go to a meter, but, it, it, but a lot of the cob traditions, it's much lower than that. Um, but with you know, if you if you had full formwork, you could go to two meters or three meters or four meters in one hit. But then you have to leave it to dry the formwork in place. So there's program issues, as with a lot of earth building stuff. There's program issues that you have to think your way around. Um, once you've thought your way around it, then it's actually not a problem. It's just something that you've thought your way around. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so we developed this way of uh, putting mater- these two materials into a formwork. So you've got a normal, in inverted commas, cob mix, which might be 2% straw or fiber of some sort. Um, and that's laid into the formwork at, let's say, 400 millimeter depth, uh, thickness of wall. And then you're putting a little kind of... Uh, displacement false work into the formwork so that the that it's that is that a fancy way of saying a bit of wood to keep things apart 
I mean, we'd also say a block out. In Ramda language, we'd say that's a block out. You put a block out in and then you've blocked out something that you didn't want to fill in. Okay, so then you're blocking out one side of the formwork, filling it with cob on the other. Then you remove that block out and then you put the lightweight, uh, light earth mix in, which is typically, let's say, hemp shiv, but it could also be a straw or a flax shiv. We actually, with Cobbage, um, trialed six different soils, three from the UK, three from France, and uh, six different uh, fibres or bioaggregates um, for their, mainly for their thermal performance. Um, <clears throat> and so they're, you know, typically, uh, well, they're called waste, but it's kind of a nonsense word. Um, and byproducts or co-products or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so then you've got the... Uh, the, the normal cob mix next to the uh, the hemp lightweight hemp mix and they bond extremely well together um i mean we're just standing here with some little samples the sort of um uh 75 by 75 samples and i mean there's just no way that you can pull those things apart you actually need a little breaker to get those things apart they are, they are properly bonded and it's not with glue it's yeah. just the clay so it's a very effective um it's very effective. I mean, it, you know, it was surprisingly effective. Um, what, what, are the, what are the purposes of the two different materials? So the cob is the dense stuff. That's what holds up the roof. That's what holds up the first floor. Um, that's what holds the heat. That's what buffers the heat because it's a dense mass material. It's 1.82 uh, tons to the cubic meter kind of a thing. Um, and, the, and the light earth mix... Um, is about 0.3 of a ton to the cubic meter. And so then, you know, if you're in passive house, that means you're going to have to make the insulation layer this thick. And if you're just trying to meet current regs, it's going to have to be that thick. And if you're trying to meet regs that are coming up soon, uh, then you have to do some other thickness, right? And, uh, uh, and, uh, and, the, and, and the reason I'm not going to talk about actual thicknesses is that you know, if it's hemp shiv, it's one thing. If it's a chopped straw, it's something else. If it's a, and so on and so on. But there are figures, there is a website and there are figures for how these different materials behave. And then you can look at it and say, actually, in this case, it's just not worth bringing hemp shiv all the way from wherever. Or, you know, I've got an enormous pile of whatever it is outside. Um, and, then you, and then you're going to think about those figures and therefore those thicknesses. Um, I mean, it was a very interesting, at the, at the opening of the project, one of the um, academic partners at Plymouth uh, knows how to take, um, um, what's it called, thermal imaging, uh, okay. with a thermal imaging camera. Mm -hmm. And he lives in a Cobb house, or so he thought. And, I mean, basically it's a white house, and he showed us this picture of his white house. And it's just a white Devon house. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, that could be Cobb, yeah. And then he took a picture. He sort of set it all up correctly so that there was the right amount of heat inside and temperature outside was cool enough or however he said it. And he took this picture and then you saw, like, it was like undressed. It was behind <laughs> the white, you know, the stucco. Dirty the dirty revealed. secrets were revealed. And actually, um, the 1990s sort of insulated concrete block work was just about as good as the uh, 1700s cob work, right? So that was, you know, 
there's always this sort of thing about well it's you know it's cob is a mass material and it doesn't meet regs because you know it doesn't it doesn't um it doesn't stop the heat yes but actually they're thick walls there's this whole dynamic thing going on that you're putting heat in the building and then you're turning it off and then the heat comes back out into the building you do lose some but not all of it so you know you're you're starting at a better much much better base level than a concrete block so another bit of the revealed part of his building was 1980s concrete block which they hadn't insulated right. that was just really really shocking <laughs> you know <laughs> so um so yeah it, this this thing of the of the thermal performance is i mean it is really interesting and if you're taking clay at site uh and putting 2% fiber to it to make a structural material and 50% 50% fiber to it to make an insulating material. It's essentially the same material, it's the same binder, it works well together, it's perfectly um, uh, vapor permeable. You know, it's just doing all these things. It's a two part wall system. And then you sort of say, okay, and then on the outside, so we would think, well, the insulation bit is going to go on the outside. And that is more susceptible to weather damage than would be a normal cob wall. So that one you're going to put a weather screen on. And so there's sort of various different ways of thinking about that. Um, you know, it might be, a, might be a wood cladding or it might be a lime render or, or whatever. But you've got to protect it. Um, and, and, and overhangs and all that usual jazz, you know. Um, good, good building practices. Good building practices. Decent detailing, you know. Yeah. But the main thing is that you've got the wall and the insulation coming up together in one hit, working very well. So there's definitely no um, extra membranes or any of that kind of stuff. There might be a, a clay plaster inside. There might be a lime render outside, but that's it. And as part of then thinking about a passive house strategy or, you know, it's definitely very low draft. Once you've, once you've built the details around the openings, there are no, you know, there is no other loss of, pressure in the building yeah so it, so it's yeah it's a very it's it's really interesting and when i started like i'm the round earth guy okay <laughs> and so and, and so i was kind of thinking well you know really we need some more cob people on this project because i'm really the round earth guy and i don't really know very much about this and you know what's cob anyway and then as we've gone on with it and then with the introduction of formwork, of course now i'm sort of back in my comfort zone <laughs> Mr. Formwork. <laughs> Mr. Formwork, you know, and um, and I can and I can I can sell that to a builder quite easily because builders understand formwork. They go, oh, clay, oh, that's a bit tricky. Oh, here's formwork. Oh, okay, here's formwork. So that those things work well together, and so I could I could see how. And we've been making little short training films, and we've got some training films of digging, extracting site material, making mixes on site, adding straw to them. And you're making, you know, tens of tons of mix in a day with a digger. And there's your feedstock. Oh, yeah, that's actually really basic. And unlike rammed earth, you haven't got to keep the stuff dry, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think it's a really interesting, I think, the, you know, it's a really interesting project. And I think that as with all earth building, the more people that do it and the more contractors that do it and take it seriously, 
the more the technical solutions will sort themselves out. And, you know, these guys will be using concrete formwork, which they've stripped down all of the all of the uh, plywood from and put a mesh on it. And they can make six meter high Cobos walls. And these people will be making up um, their own formwork from two by one and a bit of mesh and then taking taking it apart at the end and using it for battening for the roof at the end of the build. Do you know what I mean? Is it the, or, or, or whatever. So, yeah. so it's a, yeah, accessible at different levels. It's then. completely like all earth building is totally scalable. Right. It's totally scalable. And that's really, really important for people to understand. This is not something I do at home. This is not only for the big boys. It's completely about the size of the contract, the value of the contract, you know, the size of the team you've got. And I say, the more people that do it, oh, did you see, did you see Jeffrey? He did that really neat detail. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Copy, copy, copy. Fantastic. It's the best, you know, it's what is it? The sincerest form of flattery. And my details are the best. And Jeffrey's details are the best. Come on. <laughs> so um, how far into the, the project are you? Have we got a, got a showcase? So we, uh, so we did the part one. We did the proof of concept. When we spoke to the funder about it, they said a lot of the stuff that we fund is kind of cultural projects, which are really hard to measure. This one's really easy to measure. Either the heat comes through or it doesn't come through. <laughs> so... so when the heat didn't come through, we had proof of concept. They said, okay, here's the bigger amount of money. And then you, we could then start building uh, bigger sections, kind of two meters by one meter and, and, and so on. And then, the, uh, and, and then it was to build two kind of proto buildings, one in uh, Normandy and one in Devon. Those both uh, have roofs on them now. Um, uh, are, they, are they dry? And... Uh, they're getting drier. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, they're getting drier. Um, not, they I, I haven't quite got to the, the proof of well, it being a building yet. Well, they've got, roof, they've got roofs on. They've got openings. You know, they've got uh, openings filled with doors and windows and all of that. But I just heard that they are not going to plaster the Plymouth building for another little while. Because? They think that there's still... I mean, they know that there's still moisture in the wall because they've got a whole lot of, of probes and detectors for absolutely everything temperature and universe yeah yeah you know all that <laughs> stuff um but i i'm i'm surprised in a way that they that they wouldn't just plaster it anyway because they're standing up under their own weight mm. and that's the biggest weight they're ever going to stand up under the roof is essentially nothing um so putting another you know 10 mil of of clay on the on the inside face i don't really think is going to be a big deal maybe not uh, lime render the outside because that will slow down the drying to the outside face. So there are there's sort of fine tuning about that. Obviously, well, as you'd expect from the first right, two buildings, right, and 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 also that you'd expect that the that it's not going to be losing moisture particularly brilliantly in February in Devon. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so you know there are sort of things where you say, well, okay, I can I can get this up and I can put it put it up at at some speed. I can do it to program. But there is still a seasonal thing that if you're doing it in June, it's going to be losing moisture faster than if you're doing it in November, right? So, that, yeah, they are also little things to consider. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's two uh, buildings up. Then the next stage is that um, it's going on site in East Anglia on an actual build, an actual build. North Norfolk? Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy saying North Norfolk. <laughs> it's, it's one of those fun ones. 
Not Norfolk. <laughs> Say it with me. <laughs> no, I'm because I'm a South Suffolk man myself. Oh, <laughs> um, oh bitter rivals. <laughs> um, and so that's going to be the next thing is with the uh, with the demo at Plymouth. It was a a cob builder who'd never used formwork and a contractor who'd never used cob. Nice. And that was a very, very interesting moment to see how those two interacted and what their findings were, given the suggestions that we'd made on how you put things together and program them and so on. And, um, and so this, this is now the next phase of, of that, really, is actually a builder that hasn't used cob, probably used formwork, um, and how do they pick it up? You know, how, what, what's the learning curve like for that? Um, where, where do you see this? Uh, what, you know, what do you see as a potential future coming out of this? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I mean, it's very interesting. So you're talking to me at Future Build uh, 2022. We haven't had a Future Build for the last couple of years. The conversations that we're having here are quite different, actually, to how they were two years ago. And people are beginning to think about decarbonisation a little bit more seriously than they were two years ago. And so all of the... There, there is no silver bullet, right? It's not that rammed earth is going to answer all of our questions or, you know, moulded clay bricks or anything. Nothing is going to answer all of the questions, but I definitely see Cobos as having a really nice niche because the, uh, the craft skill of building cob, um, I think, does take longer to, to implement than the craft skill of putting formwork together and putting a cob mix in. The craft skill of making a cob mix with a digger as opposed to the craft skill of making a cob mix with your feet and a tarpaulin. You know, all of these elements sort of pull together so that you could say, well, actually, do you know, I don't think this is going to happen with a drone. I mean, I was, I was, picking, up, I was picking up bits of doing my little demo here and thinking, this is really sticky stuff. It's really difficult to pick up. But with a front end, you know, with a bucket loader, yeah, yeah, I, I think I could, I could see that happening, you know. Roland is referencing a, a podcast about AI drones building cob homes, which you should definitely listen to. Which was really, really interesting, um, especially when they got halfway through the show and they admitted that there were no batteries on the drones and that they, was, and that they were tethered by a wire which, which powered them. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I still think picking up that sticky cob that I've got over there would be really hard work um, but anyway uh, I think that and, and so that's you know more for me because in 10 years time when you see those drones coming up your road <laughs> cob in hand you go oh that that Roland he really hasn't got a clue has he you he know lacked foresight. he just couldn't <laughs> see the future yeah 
do you see this as having a retrofit benefit for existing cob homes? Part of the project was to look at markets and potential markets. And so we looked at um, EPC data. Um, it's what you have to do uh, when you sell or, or let a property in the UK. And that, they brought that in in 2005. And it's the Energy Performance Certificate. Thank you. Is that little A star to, to D or F? That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and, they, and, they, and they, you know, they're supposed to look at everything from the single glaze window to the you know the moldy door frame to and they have and there's a, a column for walls and somebody said oh aren't there those you know funny buildings down in devon and so cob is actually one of the things that you can put into your uh your epc report and so we started breaking down those numbers because they're published the government publishes them and we found that there had been 12,000 uh, cob uh, house sales in the last sort of 10 years. These are the ones that have sold or rented. These are not the ones that haven't sold or rented. So we know that there's probably like a load more. Yeah. And, and there's some that they don't even know are cob. And there's a lot that they don't know are cob. And, and a lot of them are mixes of cob and stone or cob and brick or, you know. Um, and, and so a lot of those things, if you've got central heating in them, you probably and you know and and they're like the, the what I referenced earlier that picture with the thermal imaging camera. Some of them have got horrible brick extensions which are spewing out. So if you want to keep them looking the same, you take off the horrible cement render um, and you retrofit light earth on the outside because it will stick to the, your existing cob. Yeah. Um, and then you and then you rain screen it, and now you've got a perfectly ver vapor permeable building again uh, which is also insulated so that to me is like a really big potential it's a really big potential whether you spray that stuff on with a with a spray rig or whether you make a light formwork on the outside and you pat it all in place doesn't really you know that's not really the the point but yeah definitely retrofit Hmm. Are there any key points that you want to... Are there key points to think about? I think one of the things that's really become clearer and clearer to me is that people um, send me an email saying, we want, to run, we, don't want to do, we want to do something in Rammed Earth. And then you say, where are you? Oh, you know, here, somewhere. Um, what's the material there? Oh, no idea. So why do you want to do Rammed Earth? Oh, well, you know, we saw it in a magazine or... It's very okay. nice to look at, isn't it? Oh, it's the so pretty want, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And um, so more and more I can see, you know, my response now is, well, tell me what your material is. Just, you know, send me the site investigation and I'll give you a comment. And the comment more and more is, you really want to make this into blocks. This is really good cob material. Oh, that's perfect for rammed earth, right? Depending on, on what it is. Yeah. And so that you're looking to your site to tell you what to do. You're not looking to Coboge to tell you what to do. You're not looking to Rammed Earth to tell you what to do. You're looking at your site and the material that you have close available to tell you what to do. You're, you're talking about a return to vernacular. No, I'm talking about a return to local. Is that not vernacular? No, uh, well, I don't, I don't see it in quite that way. I think that um, because, uh, you know, people have sort of criticised introducing rammed earth into sub-Saharan Africa, right? They don't 
criticise introducing concrete blocks into sub-Saharan Africa, but they do say that rammed earth isn't a traditional thing there. That's for North Africa. And so what are you doing? No, it's a local material that works well in this context or this context or this context. Um, and so I think it's, you know, Cobbos is, 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 is not a, you know, I mean, Cobb is, is vernacular. Cobbos is not, right? It's a new, it's a new thing. It's a, it's a new way of looking at materials. So it's not vernacular, but it could be local to you. And then, you know, the word cob is a vernacular word, mm. which doesn't really have currency in Cumbria, where it's uh, clay dabbins, or Scotland, where it's mud wall, and why we started to talk about um, mass earth rather than cob, because it's just a generic term. Yeah. And we're not against, Clom. we're not against clom. Right, Clom is perfect in its in its in its place. Before I get angry emails. <laughs> but but if but if I but if I sort of started talking to you know builders in East Anglia about Clom, you just get a rather a blank, even more of a blank look than you know if you said mass earth. So so we're just trying to think about how to how language is useful in getting people to reconsider materials. Um, so because we know that. Uh, when I came back to the UK in sort of 98, 99, the old guys still talked about pise de terre, right? And that was the kind of vernacular term for rammed earth in the UK. And we started calling it rammed earth. And in 20 years, nobody, now nobody really talks about pise de terre, unless it happened to be in France, where that's the vernacular term, right? And, um, and, and, and now people give the name and the word currency. Um, so these kind of making things a, a little bit more generic, maybe it gives them a little bit more currency now. Um, you think, then you take it to Devon and you put up a Cobos building or a Cobb building or whatever, and you use the local vernacular word and you're doing something local. Yeah, this vernacular thing, it's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> it's tricky. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, no, I, so I'm, I'm not, I don't think that I'm talking about a return to vernacular because that all, again, that always really sounds like, I don't know, that you're kind of a bit regressive. Like you're a Luddite, you <laughs> yeah. know, you're going to go break the frames. And um, whereas, uh, whereas I just kind of think if you're doing stuff locally with, you know, with materials that are local and technology that works locally, um, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm in favour of. If you want to call it for next, it's fine. <laughs> what a nice way to wrap that up. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many thanks to Roland and Brian for their wonderful words. That's all from me. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast, I would love you forever. Okay, until next time. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.